You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Winningham. Now that you've found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider, whether it's Podbean or iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, any of them. That way you'll get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. This is actually our fourth episode of the week, so make sure that you check our other three. We did a Dolphins autopsy, and yes, it was an autopsy even though they won because it was a pathetic game. Uh, We did a Dolphins autopsy on Sunday night, so make sure you catch that because we got into a lot of the Rashad Jones situation. Talk to Sage Rosenfels about the intersection between football and politics that just went up today so be sure to follow us or follow that one check that one out and also uh we did an episode with john krasinski i did that really well again john krasinski of the athletic about the jimmy butler situation and all of that still applies from when we talked to him yesterday so be sure to check that out also check out the other 13 podcasts in our network that includes of course miami heat beat also three yards per carry on the Dolphins, just posted an episode today, Light Skinned Opinions, Cinco de Zonas, and all of the other podcasts in our network, including our newest one, the Chamber Pod, and that's with former Dolphin Chris Chambers, as well as Zach Duarte and Shea Tab, and that is on fitness and performance. All right, we're going to stick today to the NBA. We're going to go more around the league than we did with John yesterday. We're going to talk to our old friend, former South Florida resident Tom Haberstroh now lives in the Charlotte area. Also, he's former of about 32 other jobs. So we're just going to focus on the current one that he has in addition to being Iris Nemesis. He is also the now the new national NBA insider, national NBA insider for NBC Sports. So you can catch him at Tom Haberstroh and obviously follow all of his work there, which is going to be a combination of written work, video, and podcasting. So, Tom, it is election day as we're taping this. Um, I've been hustling to get little old ladies to the polls and, and having people scream at me to get off their lawns. And we want to talk to you about the NBA from an election standpoint here. So we're not going to do politics on this pod, but we're going to frame it in a political contest. And I've got 10 kind of amendments, I would call them, uh, <laughs> that, we're, that, that we're going to vote on. And this is going to be really clunky and all over the place. But um, are you game for this, Mr. Haberstroh? I am as I mean you said Ira's nemesis I did not I did not let's let I never brought that up Ethan you did that was I never mentioned that before the show went on I just wanted to make that clear but yes I I actually um I started this new job like 2 weeks ago uh I was at ESPN for 8 years I was at Bleacher Report for 1 year and I was I've also started a podcast company okay mm-hmm. I was down in DC or sorry I should say up in DC for Heat Wizards and I was introducing Eric Spolster the coach of the Miami Heat which is a pretty big deal to my boss who was you know showing me around with the NBC Regionals and I say hey uh Eric this is uh, my boss John John this is Eric and Ira walks by and goes oh congrats on your new job Tom another one <laughs> what next week <laughs> Next week, you're going to have another one? <laughs> I like your Ira impersonation. Ethan, you, Ethan, Ethan, you, do, best... you do an Ira, right? I, I do, but not that. that's really good. <laughs> I, I will say, I mean, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring on everyone who's ever worked uh, with or against Ira, and we're just going to bring on like 20 different writers and have them all do their Ira impersonations here on the show, and actually we'll vote on those. I think, that's, <laughs> I think we're going to do Ira impersonations. We're going to do Barry impersonations. Uh, we could do impersonations of a lot of different people in the market. That's a very, very good one. And I, I'll say this: Look, I mock you, but I mean, I had about fifty-five. I was going to say the lack of the lack of self-awareness and criticizing someone else for having a yeah. lot of different jobs is uh, is a little bit flabbergasting. Yeah, I had, I mean, I had three jobs in ten years. That's pretty good. I mean, I had uh, considering I worked at uh, you know two of the newspapers down here twice, and one of them once in addition to the radio stations and Bleacher Report. Um, that's yeah, that's that's pretty. Damn I've good. worked that's for seven different places this year. 
<laughs> this week, this week, <laughs> this week, but, but only, but only one matters, Chris, um, of the, course, the, the one that you're on right now. All right. So we're going to get to, to 10 things. These are 10 amendments. We're going to start with amendment one. And that is this, uh, Jimmy Butler is a top 10 NBA player. Mr. Habershaw, yes or no? I'm going to say no. Uh, his health with Thibodeau Miles, and you know I'm a big DMP rest guy and health analytics and all this stuff. If I need a player to play for me tomorrow, yes, he is a top 10 player. But if I need someone who's going to be ready in May or June, no, Jimmy Butler. I worry about his health, um, and I worry about the miles that he has. I mean, yes, he's an amazing player on both ends of the floor um, and one of those two-way guys that is very hard to find in the league. But um, I just think that from a, a durability standpoint, I not just the knee issues. Uh, there's a lot of knee issues to be wor- uh, worried about. But I just feel like he's 30 going on 35. And from a, from a projection standpoint, no, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 player for long. Maybe today, but um, I think there are 10 players who are going to be better in five months' time. I'm going to say yes. And it's sort of right on the boundary. There are a few players you can make an argument for. But I, I do feel like the Tibbs Miles are they're like two to three years of his career where he's playing a pretty ludicrous amount of minutes. It's not quite for me at a Luol Deng, Joakim Noah stage where that is around the corner for him. I still feel like even considering that he's played for Tom Thibodeau for a few years, that he, you can say that he's going to experience a drop off or not. Now he does have, you know, sort of, outstanding health issues, but I'm not at a place where I think that because Tom Thibodeau has coached him for two or three years, that his career is going to be shorter than your average NBA player that's now playing into his mid-30s at a high level because of those few years. Now, uh, that sort of grows ever more dire because the longer he stays in Minnesota, the more that's the case, but I, I, I still think that Jimmy Butler will be good enough for long enough to again because we talk about this in the specter of a long-term contract that if you give him a long-term contract I don't think he's going to start to fade at the end because he's been playing for Tibbs all right and the amendment fails here because I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Tom on this one I I know Arnakaius Duncan believes he's a top 10 player I think he has him at number nine I just don't see him a at at that level right now and and secondarily I totally agree with Tom on this I, I don't think he's at that level in a year or two. And and you look at some of the players in the NBA who are ascendant. I mean, look, top of my head, okay, I, I can come up with seven that are easily better, okay, easily. Uh, and then there's another group, I think, of about eight to ten guys, and I think he's in that mix. Mm-hmm. But I think he's trending towards the back end of that mix. I, I don't think he's trending towards the front end. And, you know, I think there are some other guys you can look at, like, I mean, I would prefer to have a Clay Thompson than a Jimmy Butler, and I don't think most people would put Clay Thompson – ahead of Jimmy Butler. I think, and again, you look at some of the guys that are automatics. I mean, Giannis is automatic. AD is automatic. LeBron is automatic. Curry is automatic. Durant's automatic. Um, Kawhi is automatic. Okay. And, and what is that? Seven right there, just top of my head. Then I think you move Embiid in there. If I, I'm, I'm with you on Embiid. Yep. Right. So I think you move Embiid in there. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I think there are some other names here that, that again, not off the top of my head. Is, is Paul George better than Jimmy Butler? Look, Paul George shrunk in the playoffs last year, no question about it, but he doesn't have quite the wear that Jimmy has. I might put him ahead of him. And, and I, again, I think you can easily get to 14, 15 guys, and I think you can make a legitimate case, and I know you've made uh, this case when it comes to offense, that at least on the offensive end, that his teammate is better than him. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is you know, is a transcendent offensive player. He's not there defensively, but also seven years younger. So I, I'm looking at six to, to 12 months from now, I think Cat's ahead of Jimmy Butler too, so I, I don't have him um, as a top ten guy. He's never in uh, he in the last six years he hasn't played more than seventy six games. He's played sixty seven, sixty five, sixty seven, seventy six, fifty nine, and then obviously this year he's taken a couple games off to quote unquote rest, as I put it on Twitter, DNP unrest. Um, <laughs> ding ding ding. Uh, so count the uh, ding ding dings. That's yes. there you go. Yes, go go listen to our podcast if you're feeling like you didn't get enough on the 18 different podcasts you have with you guys. How many do you have now? You said 13, uh, well, four, four, 14, adding a 15th if the boxing guys get off their asses. But yeah, we're we're at we're we're at, we're at 14 right now, and I I don't. But we're not as as prolific as you guys at certain things. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get there eventually. Well, Jimmy Butler. The thing about Jimmy Butler is when he's playing, he's really good. But I do think it's kind of worrisome that. Now he's taken games off, and at the All-Star break, he took the game off, uh, and he's missed just about every year um, at least 20 games. So 
Uh, I love him as a kind of in-your-face uh, defender. Uh, I think he's a g- much better ball handler and finisher than people uh, give him credit for. They kind of think of like the young Jimmy Butler days. Um, but this guy, is, he's a great scorer. He's a, he's a really good scorer. But how do we are, – are we okay with what he's done in Minnesota and in Chicago, like in terms of just blowing up the locker room? Like I know it on, on the face of it, it's kind of cool because it's like, ah, he's such an asshole. I, but like, like not, very few of his teammates uh, seem to like the stars seem to like playing with him. I know D Wade did, um, but that was like you and me against the world in this locker room. Um, mm. But th- that, that scares me. And you would think that going back to tip, cause I hear this argument a lot is that like, if he was under Pat Riley and Eric Spolster, it would all work out. Didn't we say the same thing about tips? Yeah. Like if hey, I know Jimmy Butler just blew up Fred Hoiberg and the rest of that Char- uh, Chicago organization, but he's on Tibbs' team, so he's going to be good, and this is a great acquisition for them. And he blew that up too, one of his closest confidants in the league. So I just I worry about the mileage, and I worry about um, I don't know intimate details about the locker room with Jimmy Butler, but it scares me. The last two stops, uh, it's come to like this very public blow up. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and and it, like you said, he's had issues with every prominent teammate he's had except Dwayne. I mean, he he had issues with Rose. I know it's like all smiley now, but if you remember that situation, it wasn't great. I had heard from people who know both of them really well that that he and Noah didn't even speak the last year they were playing together. Now you have a situation where it's clear he and Wiggins don't connect, and obviously with Towns, there's even more behind the scenes uh, that's gone on there. And so you're talking about four of his most prominent teammates he's had issues with. I think that factors in to whether he's a top 10 player or not and, to me. And without really the team success, I know it's arguing on behalf of yes, but it's not like there's a great deal of team success that's followed him in his career. No, I know. And look, I mean, he, look, he ascended when the rest of that Chicago team was descending. And so there was a place for him to move up in it, but yeah, I don't see him as a top 10. Can, guy. I, All can, right, I, so- can I just very quickly make a point though, uh, which is that he and Kyrie Irving came into the league uh, in the same year, uh, Jimmy Butler, 2012, Kyrie Irving, 2012. And uh, Kyrie Irving has played in the first seven years of his career, 14,955 regular season minutes. Jimmy Butler's played 15,044. That's a difference of 89. And I'm j- I just, don't hear the same thought of well Kyrie Irving at the end of his career is he going to have the longevity and, and sort of in thinking about a long-term contract so I just in terms of raw minutes played now obviously intensity is another thing but in terms of raw minutes played I I, I just I just don't see it well, well I it's think c- it's because he's been hurt a lot he hasn't played a lot of sure. minutes been hurt so there's that and then the Jimmy Butler over the last six seasons leads all players in minutes per game uh, more than James Harden, more than LeBron James, more than Anthony Davis, more than Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. So m- the reason why he doesn't rack up a lot of the counting stats is because he's been hurt. We'll get back to our episode on the NBA here in a second. But first, want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance, where you can get all of your protection under one roof. Brunt Insurance offers home, auto, commercial, and life insurance, and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida. That's Pensacola all the way down to the keys. They've got multiple carriers for all the product lines so they can ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your particular area. And this is important. They're a proud sponsor of the Homes for Heroes program. So they offer special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, and healthcare professionals. Make sure to tell them that Five Reasons sent you. Here's where you can find them. Bruntinsurance.com. That's Brunt, B-R-U-N-T, insurance.com, or 954 589-2204. That's 954-589-2204. And now back to the episode. Let's get to number two here. And this is the one that Heat fans are most interested in. And I just posted some stats on this um, about Josh Richardson. And it's clear that the, the Heat are trying to make him a featured player. They've been trying to do that from the beginning of this season. And I'd made the case beforehand that Jimmy that Josh Richardson's third season looked a lot like Jimmy Butler's third season. In fact, it was better. And now I'm looking at Josh Richardson's fourth season and it looks a lot like Jimmy Butler's fourth (laughs) where they were exactly the same age. Josh Richardson right now averaging 21.4 points a game on 44% shooting. Jimmy Butler averaged 20 points a game in Chicago in his fourth season on 46% shooting. A lot of the other numbers are similar. They're both plus defenders. They were both plus defenders from when they came in. So it appears that Josh Richardson has made the jump that I and some others were projecting for him in his fourth season and that the Heat were kind of hoping for. And obviously this plays into a trade situation. So I will throw this one at you. Amendment one, Jimmy Butler, not a top 10 player. 
Amendment two, can Josh Richardson be, I'm not saying he is right now, can he be a top 25 player, Tom? I think he can. Um, He has gotten better every single year. Uh, When he was drafted by the Heat in the second round, I think there are a couple other players, and we do this where we're armchair GMs, and we're like, huh? Josh Richardson? Really? And then the Heat were like, oh, camera, Chet was like all over this guy. And it was like, man, no one believes in him, but just the size and the intensity and the work ethic. And those are not showing up in the box score. So I'm like, uh, all right, fine. I mean, if you believe in the intangibles on this guy, then then so be it. Holy, they were right. They were so on the money about this dude. When I watched them play the other night, I was on the road uh, in D.C., and I was able to have behind the basket seats, like right at the court level. And it was obvious who was the most energetic, intense, all over the place player on the floor. And it wasn't John Wall. It was, it was Josh Richardson. And he was just everywhere. And it was clear that this guy was just a, a guy that everyone wants to play with because he's so active, because he's so sneaky long. Um, and he just, he made a lot of really smart plays, a high energy plays. And those are the type of guys that it's very hard to find in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate. I think Jimmy Butler has been in the past where he's been in the conversation for MVP. I don't think he's going to get to that ceiling, but that's okay. That's okay. Considering where the heat got him in the second round as a 40th pick and where the organization is right now, looking for a superstar player. um, I don't think he's that, but I think he is a really, really good player. And I think, yes, the ceiling on him uh, is, is, a light Jimmy Butler. I don't think he's going to get there in terms of the full Jimmy Butler, but he is going to be a really good, uh, a great shooter right now. And last night when he pulled up, um, you know, from last night in the, in the closing minute and just nailed the three, it was like, this guy has all the confidence now. Um, and that's what they were looking for. So I really like Josh Richardson. Yeah, I think you've seen the last couple of games as well, doing it with efficiency, uh, shooting more than 50% from the field when he had only done it once in his first seven games. And the other thing, too, uh, from him is just a- as a volume shooter, he's taken 10 threes in four of his nine games and has taken at least six and seven of the nine. So uh, all the things you'd want to see out of a primary score, the last couple nights in particular, have been really solid. And when you ask the question, top 25, I just looked uh, to the ESPN NBA rank to see where they have uh, the current set of players and 25th is Kevin Love and 26th is Drew Holiday. So sure, yeah, he can absolutely be in that range. I think uh, Kevin Love ended up proving to be a player who can be the third best player on a title team. I, I think that's about right. And I think that's probably about the ceiling for Josh Richardson as well is third best player on a title team that's a really solid shooting guard that can do a lot of different things. And as Tom says, plays with real and legitimate intensity and intangible. And I think he can absolutely get into that territory. But again, this is in, in the specter of the conversation of do you trade him uh, for someone who could potentially be the second best or even the first best player on a championship team. And I think the answer for me is still yes, but he turns in more performances like he did against Detroit and even in a loss against Atlanta. And I'm having a different conversation. Yeah. My answer on that is no, by the way, Uh, I've come around to no, And a lot of it has to do with some of the things Tom talked about with Butler as a teammate, which, which concerned me. Um, And some, just the, the, the crap he's pulled recently. I mean, they're not playing back to backs and all that stuff. Uh, you know what Josh Richardson is inside a locker room. And, and I don't think he's going to change. I will say Winningham is only going yes here because Richardson is a big soccer guy. And so that that's played into it. And <laughs> I mean, it indulged just, him with 20 the, minutes of soccer talk. The same as Kevin, like, 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 could it be as good as Kevin Love? Sure. Well, you know, my feelings on Kevin Love. I mean, come on. So, you know, there you go. But yes, I'm going to go yes here. So we're going to be unanimous. I do think he can be a top 25 player. I think somewhere in that 20 to 25 range, which means that he would be a borderline all-star in the Eastern Conference because we know that, you know, you could pretty much put three teams together in the West that might be as good as the second team that you're going to have in the East. So I I think Josh has a real chance to be an all-star. All right, so number three here, LeBron James is still a top three player in the NBA, Tom. Yes or no? Yes, yes. I'll put Steph one. He's my number one. Giannis two, and then LeBron three right now. If LeBron is going to do anything defensively, then okay, he can be the best player. But um, that's, it's clear to me that, uh, you know, in 2014, a little story in 2014, before a a DC trip to uh, the White House, uh, I was talking to Spo at practice. And I was like, hey, Spo, um, have you seen LeBron's defensive statistics this year? He's like, "Um, go over, refresh my memory. And I was like, 
his block rate is lower than Kyle Korver. His steal rate is lower than Kyrie Irving, which is funny in retrospect after he played with them a year later. But um, I was like, yeah, he's just dogging it defensively. And he's like, why don't you do me this favor? Go over there and tell him that. And I was like, uh, oh, you want me <laughs> to like, tell him he's dogging it defensively? And I was having this like very like, you know, off-the-record conversation with the coach. And then he's like, yeah, go, go tell LeBron that. So I go over to LeBron, and we do this thing where like everyone does the scrum, and then I caught him on his way out. Uh, Winhurst calls it sidling. I don't know what you guys call it, but <laughs> as as LeBron is walking back into the locker room or back down, back through the back door of the uh, practice facility, I grab him and I say, "Hey, man, I just want to ask you about your defense. Uh, you know, I just looked at some numbers and some things jumped out at me, and like you have your block rate, da da da, your seal rate." And he goes, so you think I'm coasting? And I'm like, um, I mean, yes. I, I mean, I think this is probably smart. I just want to make sure that you like are aware of how no, how the numbers, like your block rate and still. He's like, yeah, we'll see about Wednesday night in D.C. if you think I'm going to be coasting. So I was like, okay. So I go to D.C. and it's the Wizards. It's the Greg Oden game where I think Greg Oden played and it was like an amazing news story. I forget, Ethan, do you remember what happened that night? Like Greg Oden wasn't supposed to I, I yeah, forget. he wasn't supposed to play, but then he ended up playing. Yes, I, yeah. I believe. Yes, I mean, yeah. just, well, that, that whole year was about Greg Oden. Like that was the whole thing. It was like when I mean, I mean, Winhorse. You talk about Winhorse. He was obsessed with Greg Oden, just totally obsessed with Greg <laughs> Oden, who, who made absolutely he made like the same contribution that Eddie Curry made to the to the Heat big three teams. But like every time Winhorse, you know, Winhorse saw Oden take the oh my god, this is a huge story. Oh my god. Yeah, and and so I don't that, know that he can play. No, no. And he and he was supposed to play that night. So kind of like it, it kind of submarine this story and swamped it. Um, but LeBron, there was a ticker on ESPN that said, like, watch me on Wednesday and you'll see if I'm coasting. They got their asses handed to them, handed to them. It was like by, they got blown up by like 25 points. And LeBron, and I, we just made eye contact after the game. Like, yep. Uh, so I didn't have my best game. But he was like he was he, what he was trying to say was I. Are you really, are you really think I'm half-assing it out there? And my point is it's possible, like totally, like mm. it's totally possible that you're preserving your energy on that end of the floor because you know that you can, if you need to cover so much ground on the court and you can play safety and, and cover that ground. But a lot of times in today's NBA, in the regular season, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to bust your ass, you know, 20 feet down the court for a Tuesday-ish Smith layup. Like, sometimes it's just not worth it. And I think that's where he's at right now, is where he is trying to conserve his energy on that end of the floor, and he's got a bunch of young guys, and he knows it's not a good defense. But if I'm going to compare his overall game versus what Steph is doing, what KD is doing, and what uh, Giannis is doing, and Kawhi, uh, yeah, he's not the the best player in the league right now. Well, I, I do understand that LeBron James sort of has to take this approach, particularly after the amount of minutes that he's played and everything that he's done in his career. I do also kind of don't understand it when the Cleveland Cavaliers are trying to build defensive habits, you know, to play the Golden State Warriors in the finals and against Kevin Durant, and they get to the finals after not having played good defense all year, and they expect to play good defense, or the Los Angeles Lakers are thinking about firing their coach or trading their team because they can't defend. Yeah, LeBron James got to take some of that. And on a night-to-night -night basis, okay, yeah, maybe a November game on a Tuesday against Detroit doesn't matter, but it matters to the sort of grander narrative about this team. And I feel like LeBron James night-to-night -night just doesn't bring it to the same degree that some other players in the league. So the question is, is he a top-three player? Is he a top-three player for playing Game 7 of the NBA Finals tomorrow? 100%. He's still at that level. But on a night-to-night -night guy you build around for your 82-game schedule? No, I, I think that yeah, I'd rather have Anthony Davis. I'd rather have Giannis. I'd rather have, as you mentioned, uh, Tom Steph Curry. Like, there are other players you'd rather have on a night-to-night -night basis than LeBron James. So, by the way, um, sidling is called burying, actually. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> So. I waxed poetic about Barry's sidling to the reporter who called me, uh, Brian Curtis, and it didn't make it into the story. Oh, that that's such a disappointment. So such Curtis a disappointment. wrote a huge uh, uh, feature about sidling and who the best are and who are like the legendary sidlers. I said like Barry Jackson is the LeBron of sidling. <laughs> oh yeah. And and but never takes a, a play. But never takes a play off though, Tom. Never, that's never. That's right. Never, never takes a play. He's off. not coasting. He's never coasting, and he's always carrying like a big, 
uh, notepad with them, like a big, like yep. it, in my head, it's like a trapper keeper size binder. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's like a little tiny notepad, but just in my, in my head, like a cartoonish outline of Barry Jackson. It's just this gigantic binder that he's carrying with him at all. Time. I'm not super disappointed that Brian Curtis didn't write about, uh, that didn't write about Barry Jackson sidling. It's legendary. It, I mean, to, to South Florida, he's an icon. Yes. No, he is. There's no question. He's like, all right. So I have to weigh in on this and this is always challenging. Uh, for me, because of sort of personal feelings here, I, I would say this. Um, I agree with Chris that during the regular season, uh, he's not a top three player at this point. But assuming that that team is making the playoffs, he will be one in the postseason. And so I'm still going to go yes. And again, I'm saying assuming that team is making the playoffs because I do not think that's a given. I understand the Heat started nine and eight when he first got here. I understand because I was there that the Cavs started 19 and 20 his first year up there. Uh, but this feels even worse than that because, I, again, I, I don't know that LeBron is as motivated to change the narrative of early season. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Struggles as he was in those two places. He was motivated in Miami because he had to prove he made the right decision. He was motivated in Cleveland because he was back home uh, and he had won two championships. Um, now he's, you know, motivated to executive produce movies. I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, you know, that his head is in the same place as it was before. And so I'm not entirely sure that if they fall behind in the Western Conference, that he's going to be, you know, sort of willing to go 110, you know, whatever percent uh, to get them back into it. So I'm going to say yes, assuming he makes the playoffs, but I could be convinced no. We'll get back to the episode here in a second. But first, want to tell you about betdsi.com. We talk a lot about football on there, Chris, because obviously a lot of people bet on football, college and pros. So definitely do that before the Thursday night game, before Saturday, before Sunday. But also you can bet NBA and not just before the game, but also during the game. Yeah, live betting is the way to go. I've certainly found it in my experience that you kind of need to get a sampling of how a game is going before uh, you really can invest in it financially. Why guess how it's going to go ahead of a game when you can watch a little bit of it and then think, okay, you know what? I've got a feel for it. Here's how I'm going to I'm going to bet. And you can do all this at betdsi.com. I've actually they've added a new feature where they tell you sort of what's going on while you're betting it and it's sort of a live play-by-play, uh, a way to follow the game. Really cool stuff over at betdsi along with futures bets and sports of all kinds you can bet it all over at betdsi.com be sure to use the promo code reason 101 at checkout all right let's go to number four here and look i tom i I think that the game has been not great this year and i know a lot of people are going to disagree with me but i'm just going to pose this to you right now have the rule changes been good or bad for the game in other words would you keep them or would you repeal them i'd keep them i'd keep them because the space um opens up the game so that you can see the players athletically at their best, not just from a, I am going to blow by this guy and dunk on this guy, but also just skill wise. When you see, you know, Steph and Trey young and Kemba and Dame Lillard and all these guys pulling up from 30 and hitting them at a high rate. That's awesome to me. That's skill. That is skill. Putting the ball in the basket from 30 feet away, things that like Jordan and other amazing players down the line could not do. That's amazing to watch as a fan. Now, it there is a limit in terms of like how good can defenses defend that? I don't I mean, I think that's an open question, but the the fact of the matter is that three-point percentage isn't dr- down dramatically this year. It's not. So it's not like the three-pointers are killing the sport. I think in in terms of the aesthetics of the game, I like it. Um I'm not a guy who wants pitchers dueling basketball because that, that means just a lot of like football rather than actual basketball. Um, I don't like the whole Jordan rules of, of the bad boy Pistons because to me that was a different sport. Um, and the fact that we glorify the 90s, it was not good. It was not great basketball. It wasn't. So I'm actually, I'm pro um, this era. And right now it's fast paced. So that's the big difference. When people are seeing the high point totals, uh, a lot, most of that is just the fact that the possessions are just a whole lot quicker. Uh, this year, pace is up to 100 uh, in terms of possessions per 48 minutes. 
Uh, it's over a hundred possessions on average, and it's the largest jump uh, in terms of speed since after the 99 lockout. So I, the 99 lockout was awful in terms of the quality of the game. And I think the year after that speed jumped up by like four possessions, this is right there with it. So we're early, but right now it's just super fast. A lot of three pointers, a lot of foul calls off the ball, but I think that's going to go down. And I just generally speaking, I think this promotes all the athleticism of the game that it has to offer. And I'm a big fan. I would say that, as much as people are sort of thinking that maybe this era isn't good on defense or that this these freedom of movement rules prevent you from playing defense, I don't think that what we're seeing is – I saw you tweet about this, Ethan, that this is almost like the all-star game where you know players aren't even trying on – I think teams are genuinely trying on defense, but they're struggling to keep up because offense is so good. I do think that this is about quality and skill and athleticism, which is what you're talking about, Tom, and not – about you know a, a you know team struggling to defend or not trying to defend uh, maybe it has something to do with the fact that the season starts earlier so there are more teams that are pacing themselves maybe not committing that full effort but I do think that there is genuine effort to try and be good at defense like the Miami Heat are getting 120 dropped on them by the Hawks uh, you can't say that the Heat aren't trying to be good at defense or that you know they're they're taking it easy on that end of the floor that's not that organization they're trying it's just it's really good basketball right now like I, I don't think that this is about a lack of effort or it's score it's scoring without impediment and you know it, it's basically who can make the most threes and that's it no like this is about genuine skill and scheme that have created the best version of offensive basketball yeah I'm gonna be outnumbered here um, I'm not a huge fan of it so far and I understand what you're saying players will adjust and officials will adjust and the numbers will start to come down and as somebody who sat through you know what was it 23 games of four years of heat Knicks in the late 90s um, when basically you would score the same number of points in a game that we're seeing Golden State get to with six minutes left in the second quarter <laughs> uh, I, I True, you know yeah. I, I I mean I, I understand okay that that overall the move towards more scoring and more freedom is a good thing but I also look at the NFL and and I you know to me you know what's happening in the NFL now where you know quarterbacks have a 72% you know completion percentage like it just doesn't feel hard enough it just doesn't feel hard enough and and unless they're going to start these sports Wait, why? Start, why do we want to see complete but because I want, I, but I want to see, I want to see it be difficult and then have the offensive players. I want to see what Michael Jordan had to go through. Okay. Where he was, where, what happened to him against Detroit, where he was getting bodied by four different players and then dumped on his ass and had to figure out, okay, how am I going to combat that on the next possession? Okay. Then you I have mean, to be okay with the fact that he needs to retire twice to deal with it. Well, well, and yeah, well, and he had to go gamble, and that's one of the reasons he retired. But that's all the other story. So, so I don't know that it was just because of his body. But I, I, I want to see. Look, I, I just want to see the challenge of it because to me, you want to see resistance. Sports, I want to see resistance. What what makes sports yeah, so so compelling? Okay, is an athlete who is up against it. Okay, a Roger Federer who is going against Father Time and has to figure out how to adjust. Okay, or Nadal who's playing hurt. Okay, with his knee and has to figure out. in any sport a Tiger Woods who's not what he used to be. I like to see that challenge, that resistance, and I just feel like right now, yes, Steph Curry is taking the shooting thing to a whole nother level. But man, you can't touch him. You can't do anything with him. And I mean, how do you even guard that? So it's like Steph is playing against himself. And I feel like that's what's going on in the whole league right now. Like basically the Warriors aren't even competing with the league anymore. They're competing with each other. Curry's competing with Durant and then Clay decides to drop a 41 point quarter. Like it's, it's gotten obscene in that way to me. And I do think that although I do think younger fans like it because it's like a video game, I think a lot of other fans are kind of like, okay, is this, is it enough at this stage? I mean, I mean, the, the, the Heat gave up, what was it, 123, 122, and 124 in three straight games? Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, they're trying. But if they're trying and that's what's happening, I, I think it's gone too far. But anyway, you guys have decided to keep the rule changes. You guys outnumbered me two to one. All right, number five here. The Kings will finish within 10 games of the Rockets. Yes or no? Whoa, Tom. this is like two amendments in one. Yes. Well, that's what they do down here. They got an amendment down here in Florida. Have it's a most ludicrous thing in the way I voted for it today. I felt so mad about it. Well, there were a few of them. There were like three of them that are these stacked amendments. But one of them, okay, one of our guys who likes to smoke a little bit, had to make it, and he's also an environmentalist. He had to make a decision, okay, because one of the amendments was basically, do you want to clean up 
uh, the the Everglades. Okay. No, no. Then, do you want to ban offshore drilling? Ban, ban offshore drilling. Even more important. Do you want to ban offshore drilling? So the answer to that would be yes. Okay. He's an environmentalist. Okay. He's liberal, whatever. But the other one was you also then had to ban vaping in public spaces, which I, I mean. Oh, with, man. Okay. Those two so, things are linked. If you voted yes, you're saying yes to both of them. You cannot say, well, yes to that and no to that. Like, no, you have to say yes to both or no to both. It was ridiculous. Absolutely which made, absurd. Which made no sense also because the vaping is to replace the smoking. And so you would think that would be a better alternative. And so they basically just – you know, they basically just told environmentalists to fuck themselves, essentially, with this amendment, because <laughs> there really was no direction. You know, it's worse than our Amendment 3 on gambling, which is basically yes means no and no means yes, which is also how the Heat have an arena right now, by the way. But anyway, all right, let's get back to this. I'm stacking this amendment. The Kings will finish within 10 games of the Rockets. I think this is like Orlando last year where we got excited about Orlando and then they fell apart. So I'm going to say no. Uh, the Houston Rockets, I think, will come to Jesus about Carmelo and his defense and the fact that he's, uh, he's, not, uh, he's not an average player anymore. Um, and I think, that, uh, <clears throat> I think that's going to be tough, um, that you're going to have Chris Paul and James Harden having to have that difficult conversation along with Mike D'Antoni. But I do think that the Sacramento Kings were getting a little overly excited about um, their young guns. And I think this is going to be one of those cases of like Orlando last year. I Houston, they got Jeff Bizdelic. I know uh, Wake Forest fans like myself uh, have a different opinion of Jeff Bizdelic at the college level, but he's actually a very, very good defensive coordinator for the Houston Rockets, and he's back with the team. Is that going to solve? Is he going to play defense like Luke Mamute and Trevor Reza? No. But I still think that Daryl Morey will probably pull a rabbit out of a hat and get another defender out there, and they're going to be better from this uh, from this juncture forward. So I think they're four and five now. I think they're going to be much better than that going forward. Um, they're going to have a huge step back from last year, but I still think the Kings are going to probably be fifteen to twenty games back. I think the last two things that we're, we've talked about are kind of intertwined. I think the Kings have been one of the teams that have benefited from the the pace rule, or not the pace rules, but the pace change, it being faster and, and the rules. And I think once the league starts to catch up, I think Sacramento is going to fall off. And I'm just going to go ahead and say on Houston that this will not continue. Uh, they are 4-1 and one away from home and 0-4 oh at home. Going to go ahead and guess that Houston's not going to lose all their home games. I feel like they'll eventually get that turned around. Uh, they've won three straight. They're they're going to be fine, and I feel like they're going to probably get to somewhere between 50 and 55 wins, and so I, I, and I don't think Sacramento's an above 500 team. I think Houston will be well clear of them come the end of the season. Yeah, I think the Rockets are going to be a high 40s team, actually. Uh, by the way, preaching to the choir here on Carmelo. Uh, Winningham knows my feelings on that. I, 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 he's not even close to an average player at this point. He's a, he's a well below average player. The numbers have shown that for the last three or four years. And as I've said, he's basically Alex English who played in the big market. I mean, that's, you know, in addition to Denver. I, to me, if you look at their numbers, Tom, look it up someday. Just And it's, it's worse now. Go to uh, basketballreference.com and put in their numbers together, and they're identical. Alex English and Carmelo Anthony, and nobody talks about Alex English. I mean, he was an underrated player, but nobody talks about him in the same breath they talk about Carmelo. So I'm with you completely on Carmelo. I do think the Kings will drop off, probably finish in the low 30s, which is about where they usually end up, which is about a 15-game cushion um, for the Rockets. So I think we all are saying the Rockets will finish more than 10 games ahead. All right, number six, Brad Stevens is a good offensive coach. Yes or no, Tom? Man, um, on our pod that we call him basic Brad, uh, because he, uh, he draws up a lot of basic sets. Um, and then we just worship him. He has this aura around Brad Stevens primarily because of the defense. And I don't call him basic Brad, but, uh, Dave Dufour over there, uh, at count the dinks, who does a great job on the Thursday pod. He is, uh, he is just not a believer on the sets that the plays that Brad Stevens draws up and it's not an inventive offense. Uh, it is not a good offense right now and it should be a lot better. So right now, um, I would say not doing a great job. I say he is a good offensive coach, but at this moment in time, he needs to do a lot better. They're 27th in offensive rating. Uh, the teams behind him, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Orlando. Those teams do not have half as much offensive talent as Brad Stevens does. They have to be better. And the teams that are ahead of them are Washington, Detroit. Like Philly's down there. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, I, I – 
agree with what you're saying, which is that they should be much better. They have a lot more talent, and this was always going to be a difficult job for the coach, but for as much praise as Brad Stevens gets, this should be a job that he's up for. Now, they're second in the league in defense. They're one of the few teams in the league that can actually defend like in a in a sort of a, a pre-pace change way. When you, when you look at defensive rating, good is kind of, for me, below 102, and there are only three teams in the league that are below 102. Portland is fourth in the league of defense at 104.6. Boston is a legitimately good defensive team, but I feel like Brad Stevens has always gotten credit from an offensive point of view for drawing plays up out of timeouts. They're very kind of basic ways in which fans judge coaches that like where you can pretty clearly isolate the performance of the coach. And out of a timeout, if you're constantly getting scores, like Spolster's really good at this, but Stevens has always been credited for having amazing plays that – that's one of the reasons why he's a good offensive coach. But if you look at some of the underlying numbers, they have not always been impressive, even with some pretty quality offensive talent, as the Celtics do now. He has to do a lot better with this team. So I agree with Tom at the moment. You have to say no. Yeah, I would say no also. And the ATO thing has been overrated, by the way. If you actually yeah. look at the numbers, they're not, it's, not, it's not great. Spolstra's is not overrated, but Stevens is overrated in that area. And I think what Stevens has gotten credit for is how his players have fallen off when they've left Boston. Because other than mm-hmm. Kelly Olynyk, everybody got much worse. And maybe and, a lot and of overperforming had... expectations. That's, that's well, really but, but what over... he's done his whole career, which but he's over... not doing now. But oh, right, but overperforming expectations is the same thing as players leave Boston and don't play as well because sure. basically the players play outside of Boston like you would expect them to play. They play better in Boston, but now that he has a lot of offensive talent, it's not working out so well. I'm going to say no on this one. Get back to the episode here in a second. Do you know what you're doing on Sunday? Well, now you do. You're going to be hanging out with us at Uncle Al's and Sunrise. That's Uncle Al's and Sunrise. This is the one near Knob Hill and Sunrise. This is the new location. 10033 Sunset Strip. That's 10033 Sunset Strip. Come hang out with us. We're going to have food specials. We're going to have drink specials. We're going to have giveaways. I got some more hats to give away some five reasons hats. We get some Miami Heat Beat shirts also. And here's the thing you can be part of history. Yes, that's right. We are 0 5 this year in watch parties. That's 0 5, three different teams, five straight losses. And now we've decided. This is a good time to have another watch party. The Dolphins are going up to Lambeau Field in November against an angry Packers team and Aaron Rodgers. What could possibly go wrong? So come drink with us. Come eat with us. Have a great time. Again, Uncle Al's Sunrise game starts after 4 o'clock. We'll be out there starting at around 3. We're going to be one in five reasons. Come on, Dolphins. All right, go to number seven here. I'm going to frame this a little differently than I initially planned on, but let's talk about the Sixers. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons will win a championship together. Not separately, not if they end up parting, but together. Tom, I'm, yes I'm no. going to say no only because it's it's so hard to win a championship, but that doesn't mean that I don't think they're awesome together. Last year, when they played together, they were the best duo on court, on court, their on-court plus-minus was something like 16 per 100 possessions, plus 16, which for on-court duos, they were the best tandem in the NBA together. This year, what has changed? Markel Fultz. They are trying so hard to shoehorn Markel Fultz into that starting lineup, but you cannot in today's day with in today's day and age with all the scouting and all the analytics and all the tendency reports that these teams get and expect those two guys to be going against the top shelf defenders and the top, the best players on the floor and having a good offense. Now, I recognize the fact that Ben Simmons needs to get a jump shot. I see that. But I also see a guy who is so, so compromised offensively, Markel Fultz, where I, I was watching them and against Atlanta. Atlanta didn't guard him. It was five on four. They mm. did not guard Markel Fultz. They triple teamed Joel Embiid every time he got the ball. Because of Markel Fultz, they were ignoring him. It was disrespectful. It was, I'm honestly watching it, I felt bad. I felt dirty watching this happen because <laughs> it was so, it was like, it was so mean. It was so mean what they were doing to Markel Fultz, just letting him go. And he just stood there by himself in the corner. And what are you supposed to do? Like in today's NBA, you can't have two ball dominant guys who cannot shoot. You have to have. Um, you know, shooters around them. You have to with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. You need to surround them with shooters. And, and when those two guys are on the floor, it's not just that they can't shoot, it's they won't shoot. And the thing for Philly is that 
you look at their you look at Embiid being the best shooter of that group of three guys that's meant to be their core Joel Embiid as the seven foot two guy can't be the best shooter out of the lot and I I agree I think it's so hard to get away with one player who can't shoot and that would be Ben Simmons leading the way a second is just devastating and I I, I didn't know that he was getting the Tony Allen treatment Markel oh Fultz but not even, it was like the the Tony Allen squared <laughs> it really was. wow that's that's like, like incredibly there, there harsh were, there was there was no one within 20 feet of him. There was like, negative defenders around Mark Fultz. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I think that there are extenuating circumstances there. As a two, I absolutely think that that can be the core of a championship team. But they need a third, and Markel Fultz was supposed to be the third, and early returns are that he won't be. And that would be my concern is that Philly had some of their process assets compromised by Brian Colangelo to go and get Markel Fultz, and now they don't appear to have another go at this unless they do it in free agency and that gets harder and harder as particularly these players come up for extensions as well all right so you're saying yes or no i'm saying yes all right i'm saying no uh, i i don't think they win a championship together and i think it's going to be more of a personality thing than even a playing style thing i just think i know what you're saying tom how good they were together on the court but i, I they don't seem like a personality fit to me and when you look at superstars that to stay together for a long time, you kind of have to be to a certain degree. I, I do think that's why it worked with LeBron and Wade down here, and it didn't work long-term with LeBron and Kyrie. I know that they did win a championship, but I think the odds would be against it. But we're going yes overall. All right, we're going to do these rapid fire here because uh, I know you got to run, and we want to get to some of these here quickly. Here, Number here's a stat real quick. Here's a stat. Okay. Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz on the floor together without Joel Embiid. Their offensive rating is 67. <laughs> Oh my God! Good Lord, it, man! It, All right, it, next NBA. This NBA. Holy shit! All right, next. All right, number eight. Quick. All right, which of these two backcourts needs to be broken up first? And I guess this might be sort of obvious because one team is playing better. But Portland or Washington? Um, I'm gonna go with. Washington. Um, I just think I think they need a shake up. I like all the pieces there, but they need a shake up. I like Scotty Brooks, but uh, I just. It, there's something stinks in, in D.C., and they need to figure it out. And well, I, I would shake things up. Yeah. Well, that's not the only thing that stinks in D.C., Tom. But all right, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll see how things play out. you get your that. election day dig in I, there? Well, I mean, it is election day. It's a voting episode. All right, go ahead. What you got? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm going to say Washington as well. But for the reasons that you just mentioned, we said sometimes superstars personality fits just don't work. And that is definitely one of them. Yeah, definitely one of them. And look, if I were the Heat, I would take a long look at Bradley Beal if you could try to try, try to steal him away. We'll see. But yes, I agree with you. It's it's Washington. I think Portland can live with this a little longer. All right, number nine here, Spurs-Raptors trade. If Kawhi takes Toronto to the finals and leaves, who won the trade? I, I still say Toronto. I agree. I don't, I'm a big fan of DeMar DeRozan. Not a big fan. Um I'm I, I'm probably fading Demar Derozan in terms of uh, his player value. I don't think he brings anything defensively. I like what Pop has done with him so far this season, but I always grade trades not on the result, but the what the value was at the time of the trade. And so many things can go sideways, but you have if you're Toronto, you have to make that deal. The upside is so much worth the downside. Uh, if you're Toronto, you know what you had in Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry. You had to make that deal. Uh, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Toronto if they make the finals. I mean, considering what they've gone through in the Lowry Derozan era, all the different ways that they've been associated with failure to get out of the Eastern Conference would even be in and of itself an amazing achievement. That I think that Toronto getting there and, and finally kind of lifting themselves from what's basically been a moribund franchise for as long as they've been in the league. Uh, I'm going to go and say that that is a massive achievement. You do anything you can to put yourself in a position to win the championship. Even if they get hammered in the finals, I'd say that that was well worth it. All right. I'm going to say uh, it's worth it also. And, and all the other thing is too, if Kawhi leaves, you just reset. And like you said, you, you're getting off of DeRozan's contract. So you basically uh, can figure out what else you can get to Toronto. And, and I think they've proven that you can win if you go there. All right. Last one for you here, Abishra. I'm going to give you four names, four relatively young names in the NBA. You tell me, you give me an order here of how you like them. Jamal Murray, Buddy Heald, Zach Levine, and Karis LeVert. Okay. Um, Ooh, uh, ooh, uh, this is tough. Okay. Well, these are all guys Jamal, I wanted to draft in the fantasy league. And, and right. Chris and I Jamal Murray, right. number one, and not just because you mentioned him first. Jamal Murray, number one, um, Levine, two, Levert, three, and Buddy Heald, four. 
I think it's I think it's a bit uh, a bit unfair that we're asking this question uh, the night uh-huh. after Jamal Murray <laughs> dropped 48 points in a uh, win for the Denver Nuggets to take them to a nine and one record at the top of the Western Conference, but it's got to be him. And I, I feel like Denver has kind of done a sneaky good job of building through the middle. Like they, this is not a team that's bottomed out and had a dreadful season, and they've kind of been in the 30 win range and have kind of been knocking on the door, and yet uh, here they're sitting with Murray and with with Jokic after signing. Millsap they've got some other young players coming through the pipeline as well Gary Harris is a solid player like they've got a good team and they built it through the middle and I think Jamal Murray's a player that leads the way I'm gonna go with Murray first uh I'm gonna go with Levine second I'm stunned actually at the way he's playing as efficiently as he's playing is that, that points per game yeah yeah that's I was not expecting the efficiency that that was the part that surprised I've always liked parts of his game he had that really good second half of the season where he shot the ball really well from three a couple of years ago, I think he shot like 43% in the second half. I was like, whoa, there's more to his game. Um, but And I've always liked his temperament, but I didn't think that his efficiency would get here quite now. I'm going to go with Heald third, and I'm going to go with Levert fourth. I just think the hot, the upside with Buddy is bigger, and I think you're seeing now kind of what – because Sacramento got mocked for that trade, and, and I think you're seeing now that there was legitimate upside, and maybe he can play on the ball a little bit as well as off the ball, and that there is a real future there. So I'm going to go – in that order. All right. You can follow him at Tom Haberstroh at uh, one of his 35 jobs. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Ira. <laughs> uh, and, and, and uh, hopefully he'll check in with us again for more Barry sidling stories. Um, obviously uh, you should actually check out count the dings when you're not listening to us. Uh, great podcast network. Uh, we're going to start stealing some ideas from you guys. If that's, if that's okay with you um, at, at some point here, are you going to uh, def- do a recount the dings so that um, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know that's what? Our, that's our election it's podcast. Election day. Yes. It's our election that, that's podcast. right. Well, and we're in Florida, so the odds of a recount tonight <laughs> are are pretty damn good. The hanging ch- we don't do hanging chads anymore, though. Um, that's that's the only thing we've gotten away from that uh, since 2000. We just disenfranchise voters, so that that's 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 our that's our thing down here. But Tom, you're you're voting in North Carolina these days, aren't you? You're not. Yes, you know, I did, and okay. I got I, I did vote this morning, and uh, happy to do it. Um, but I do have to take this call now at 415. I love you guys. Thank you for having me on and can't wait to see you guys in Miami again. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ringer podcast. Thank you so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.